Welcome to a special episode of our Rainmaker Multiplier On Demand series brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity. For more information on the Rainmaker Multiplier process and a list of all podcasts in this series, visit claritytoprosperity.com. Follow along by checking out the resources shared in today's podcast in the description below. Yeah, I'm excited for this little coffee break here. This this kind of came about because Scott Kalp and I were, and Ben, Ben's literally leaving the hospital with his newborn baby and he's on the meeting right now. Talk about dedication. So thanks, Ben, and congrats, Ben and Scott, on the new baby. But um, this kind of came about because we were talking, what was it, Scott, like a month ago or so now? About a month, yeah. Yeah. And Scott was just like, you know, let me kind of pick your brain. What would you do in these situations? And I think we've all kind of had it where, you know, a client maybe is, you know, giving us some good vibes that they want to potentially hire us, but they throw out that objection of like, well, I don't want to move all my money over. Or, you know, I have this other advisor who's managing this piece of it. Can I leave this there? And so we were just brainstorming on that. And uh, Scott goes, you know, this would make a great topic at the Mastermind Collegium. And I said, well, let's not wait that long. Let's do a coffee break on it. And so we wanted to just kind of share, you know, some feedback that him and I had and just kind of ways we approach this and then, you know, hear from the group also. Um, But Scott, you want to give kind of a little bit of backdrop and um, some of the, the stuff we were chatting about and some of the things that you've been doing since then that, um, hopefully have made a positive difference for you. Sure, yes. I'm going to start first by thanking Dave, not only for his help with this case, but for all he does with C2P. And I don't know what the right words. He's such a mastermind and knows how to put things together. And it reminded me the other day of some of you may have be old enough like me, remember the E.F. Hutton ad that when E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. And I think that that applies definitely to Dave when he speaks people listen or we should listen for sure. So as as I told him, I said, I've relied on a lot of mentors through my years, but there is no one that is as young as Dave that I consider a mentor and I listen to. So it was a real real great help in this case. This was a gentleman who was a do-it-yourself guy. He had basically a farmer had done his own tax return, had a few advisor accounts, but he was referred to me by an attorney has been referring a lot of business. Name is Nate DeWald. Actually, he's going to be in Cleveland next week with me. So if you see a shorter guy than me walking around and you want to find out how to get attorneys to refer business, give us a talk. But he referred this guy to me and I often say, let's do the bucket plan. So when I got the information together, I called Dave and we immediately figured out that his, his big issue is estate taxes. He has about $8 million of land. 1.8 million in the bank and actually 1.8 million of IRAs and 900,000 of equipment. And he came in, already researched that he wanted to put the equipment into a CRT or a donor advised fund so he wouldn't lose any taxes. But he had also said, I'm going to, I'm going to convert my 1.8 million to Roth over the next three years while the taxes are low. He, he was, he had done that research, but what I immediately shifted to and remembered was the the, the, the mastermind last December to me was a seismic shift in this lifetime tax management approach. And after 44 years of being in the business, it literally has changed when I present to clients. It's now, hey, we provide it. We know we're unique. Nobody else does it. And if you want us to do that, we need to have control over all your assets, not getting a fee on them, but a control. And it was like 
a shift even in my approach to just being, hey, we're good at this. We need all your assets. So the the presentation, this came from the tax management journey in December. And Dave shared this. And this is, and it's, I'm going to show you what it is. And Dave can probably share you this or I can. But it is, where does my wealth go? And it basically is showing that if you do nothing, and especially at the lower of the estate tax limit, what's where your state tax is going to be. And it was part of our bucket plan. But Dave said, hey, print print this out, show it to him first, leave it sitting on the table in front of him, which I thought that's genius, Dave. And we did. It just sat on the table in front of him. And it's like, you know, this is the the millions like at age 90, they would owe 11 million in estate taxes. They do nothing. And I basically said, we can help you with that. Uh, It's going to take some time. And Dave gave me this. I love this term. He said, it's kind of like a chess match we are always thinking two to three steps ahead. And I said, this is going to take some time to put this together, but it kind of starts with looking at your bucket plan and where your assets are. So then I went into the bucket plan, basically said, showed a, showed a plan of what we need to do to control it, or look at the whole thing. But it came back to this. And Dave, this, this came through my R&D department. Most of you probably heard me say this, by rob and duplicate. And I like to rob and duplicate from from Dave, but he said that it's not just tens of thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars we can save you. It's going to be millions. And I kept coming back to that with them. So I presented it to them. We I haven't got the total commitment yet to meet with them, but I'm pretty sure that's probably going to be that we're going to get, get the case, probably about a million and a half in assets and probably definitely some life insurance. So maybe Dave, I'll let you go in and maybe talk about what we visited about the Roth and your idea, which I thought was great. Yeah, I, I think there's a couple things. Like, you know, when when Scott, you know, called me, Scott and Ben called me, they were like, you know, what do we like, how do we crack the code on this guy? And it really started with like, well, what's his biggest like cost? Like what's his biggest source of pain right now? And, you know, a lot of you have heard me say this, like, I am so freaking excited for 2024 and 2025, because there's going to be a universe of estate tax conversations, transfer tax conversations that are going to open up a whole new market that it doesn't exist for right now. This guy, like Scott's talking about, has, you know, what did did he have, like 13, 14 million total of estate value? The reality of it is it doesn't matter today, but I simply ask the client, like, you don't plan on dying between now and 2026, right? And I haven't had one say yes to me yet. They say no. Well, assuming you plan on living that long, you're going to have some pretty big issues that could cost you millions of dollars. Now, maybe you bury your head in the sand and say, I don't really care because I still have millions of dollars left. I don't care if the government gets a big chunk of the money, but with a little bit of strategy and applying some resources today, we could potentially mitigate some of your lifetime taxes, both income taxes throughout the rest of your hopefully long, happy life, as well as transfer taxes to the next generation. And when you pass away, there's three places your money has to go, and you get to pick two of the three. There's your family, there's charities, and the IRS. And so right now, the plan you have in place 
is that your money is going to get divided between your family and the IRS amongst your passing. And again, maybe you're okay with that. But what I was sharing with Scott is something my estate planning attorney does for my clients. I'll just share my screen. Scott kind of held up a paper of this. But like when we start having these conversations with my clients, this was a client of mine um, that we worked on this right at the end of 2021. And they had about $75 million of total estate value. And so, and this client was like 45 years old. So fairly young client, really good client of mine. Um, and he really didn't have kind of any idea about like estate tax. He certainly knew about income taxes, but, but this whole estate tax, and these are huge numbers. I realize that this is what I, I told Scott, like just replicate this for the client you're sitting down with. But I just want to show this as an example. We said, here we are in 2021, you have 75 million. If you pass away, your family gets 49.6, the IRS gets 25.3. Assuming you live to 2026 in your portfolio and your assets grow at 5% per year, your family's going to get 59 million, the IRS is going to get 35 million. Assuming you make it to 2036, 15 years from now, when in his case, he was going to be in his early 60s, his family would get 95 million and the government would get 59 million of it. And again, assuming he lives till 2046, he has a $100 million tax problem, right? It's a transfer tax problem. Now, you might very well say, I just don't really care because my family's still gonna get 154 million, but the $99 million is an optional tax. It's optional. Because if we do good planning now, we could potentially reduce or eliminate all that all the way to zero. Now, in your plan that you have today, the family and the IRS are going to get all of it. We could also take some of the share that goes to the IRS and divert that to charity if you so choose to. But this is like the, the need in a client's case like Scott's, right? Like Scott's client is not worried about running out of money. They're just not wanting to overpay in taxes, both income tax and transfer tax. And so, Scott, can you hold up yours again real quick? Because I want to just kind of dial it back to um, like what you shared and like some more, like a lot more modest numbers, right? Like your shows 13 million today and part of it going to the IRS. And then by their, by when they're 75, it's about 15 million. And that's where the state exemption goes down. And then again, you're kind of projecting out. This is all, where does my stuff go? And you know, the one thing, and I got this from my estate planning attorney, who I think is the best in the country. Um, I just did a meeting like this with one of our clients who has $45 million three days ago with him. And he just says, look, at estate planning is quite simply answering three questions. When I die, where does my stuff go? Who's in charge? And what are the rules? Where does my stuff go? Who's in charge? And what are the rules? Right? That's kind of a simple question we all want to know. Like, I don't plan on dying anytime soon, but if I did, I would want to have those three things answered before I died for the benefit of my family. Well, this first chart, where does it go? Right? It goes partially to your family and partially to the IRS. And I think you can use this same concept around income taxes as well. It's what I spoke about in the last tax management journey. 
Because let's say it's not a client that has 15 million or 75 million. What if it's a client that has a $3 million IRA? Could you not do this same visualization of where it goes very simply for them, right? I'd plug in a $2 million IRA here. How much of that is going to go to the family and how much of that is going to go to taxes? And if that grows by 5% every year in the future, how much of it is going to go to the family and how much of it's going to go to taxes? Because at the end of the day, you got to push their buttons a little bit, right? Like when I sit down and meet with my client and to Scott's point, like I leave this on the screen the whole time as we're having conversations, what's my client staring at the whole time? Staring at a hundred million dollar yeah. tax bill. Scott, what was your client staring and glancing over at when you, you know, were presenting this to them? The same thing. And, you know, I got the smart ass comment when I said, you know, do you want to leave 11 million to the, to the, to the IRS? He said, well, they need money too, you know, as, as you're going to get from clients, but I know had his, had his attention. And, and you notice on mine that Ben had added their age across the top. And then I took that, where does my stuff go? And I added when and how, because with him, we're talking about, we need to do something before one, one of 26. And the how is, you know, is it a trust? Do they get the income? So yeah, he, he was looking at it. The, the other thing, and I mentioned this before, I'll show you a little bit. I've done this twice, but I think we maybe need to add to our buckets and our funnels boxes. And I'm using the boxes for the estate because I had a client before I saw him and we met with the attorney and then we went out for a drink afterward. And while we're meeting with the attorney, the attorney's talking about idiots and that, and I had a break and I said, Todd, let me show you something. And so I drew a box and I said, here's your estate. Then he has two kids and here's your two kids. And I said, if your estate grows, 40% of it's going to go to the IRS. We need to have a shift in your thinking that your estate needs to be growing in the kids' names. And we went out for the drink later. He said, Scott, I was having a little trouble following the attorney, but he said, when you showed the boxes, it made sense. So I think it's, just, it's the same thing as we might want to incorporate this. It's that whole visual thing. It's like, oh, if I grow this, I need to have it growing in my kids' name or the other. And then Dave, we'll make sure let's add, I thought your, your thing on not converting the entire 1.8. Oh, and I love that tax thing. We need to put that in there. Show how much on an IRA, even if you're doing RMDs, right? What you're going to pay taxes you take out and what it's growing to. But the I, I idea about not converting the entire 1.8, maybe doing the wealth replacement trust. Built on the foundation of the award-winning bucket plan process, Clarity to Prosperity's proven processes, training, and coaching can help you increase your revenue. If you are a growth-minded, independent financial advisor, you qualify for a free copy of the bucket plan book. Go to claritytoprosperity.com forward slash offer to get your free book today. That's claritytoprosperity.com forward slash offer. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, a big part of like what I always have conversations with my clients about is, um, you know, the, the fact of maybe over converting Roth, right? Because the reality of it is like, you know, for a lot of our clients, there's a certain amount of income in and through retirement that they could take either tax-free because of the standard deduction, 
or at a very low tax rate, or maybe their kids when they inherit the IRA are going to be in a lower tax rate than they are. And so they get the benefit of tax-deferred compounding growth, or maybe some of it's going to go to charities via QCDs or leaving the charity as the beneficiary on the IRA. So like there could be a whole bunch of reasons not to convert, but like the simplest thing that I like to kind of parlay together is a Roth conversion with life insurance. And the reason that I do this is in my mind, the biggest benefit of the Roth conversion, when we're talking about clients who have enough money for their own retirement, the biggest benefit for the Roth conversion is legacy planning, right? It's being able to compound tax deferred the growth for a period of time for as long as that client and their spouse are alive. And then for the kids to inherit that Roth IRA and allow it to compound and defer for another decade. But what I share with my clients is what happens typically when kids inherit money from the parents? What happens? They want to spend it. They want to go spend some of it, right? They want to go buy a bigger house or put a swimming pool in or do whatever they want to do. And the reality of it is we don't want them to go spend that Roth IRA money early on. We want that to grow for another decade. So the life insurance pays a lump sum tax-free death benefit upon passing. What we want to do is properly structure Roth conversions with a wealth replacement trust and life insurance so that when you pass away, the kids can go burn off some money, the life insurance proceeds, and that gives them permission and ability to let that Roth IRA defer another 10 years. And so I look at it as a balance of like, I kind of said, hey, maybe this client shouldn't go just convert all 1.8 million in one year. Maybe we should do bracket bumping Roth conversions over the next 10 years and use some of those RMDs to fund a wealth replacement trust that gives the kids liquidity, you know, to pay tax, to pay estate tax, to make sure there's sufficient money to continue the farm property if they want to. And so, you know, having those discussions and, and ultimately like what a lot of this comes back to in the topic and the theme today is like a thing with this client is he was a bit of a do-it-yourselfer, right? And like most of my clients, I'd say 80% of my clients are do-it-yourselfers before they meet me. And you know, Scott asked me, like, what if he still wants to manage a chunk of his money? Like, or, and, and, and kind of my comment was like, is he managing the money or is there another advisor? Because I take those two viewpoints very differently. If a client comes to me or a prospective client and they say, Dave, I have another financial advisor. I want you to manage this million for me and I'm going to leave this million with them. To me, that's a no-go. Like I, I just share with them, like that's not our core business where we do our best work is where we are kind of the holistic advisor, quarterbacking all areas of wealth management from financial planning to asset management, to tax management, protection planning and estate planning. And I'm not in a point in my career where I wanna babysit another advisor, review their portfolios, make sure they're making the right tax moves, make sure their portfolio is in sync with our portfolio. I said, you know, no thanks, that's not for us. But, and this is a big but, if you enjoy managing a piece of your own portfolio, 
we could absolutely do that. You know, we'll, if it's really focused on growth, which most of it is, you want to pick stocks, you want to pick mutual funds, you want to pick ETFs, we'll carve that piece out in the later bucket. But I need to have control on our custodial platform of that money. And so I know it's at Vanguard right now, but what we would do is ACAT those positions over to Schwab or to Fidelity or TD so that we can have visualization of all of those holdings, the cost basis, the trades, the realized gains, and we can be able to report on it automatically without having to do a whole lot of manual work. And I'm not going to charge a fee on that at all. There's no fees. You can still go in. You can still submit trades, execute trades, do what you want to do. But we need to be able to visually see that so we can help make sure that the things you're doing there don't contradict or, or create inefficiency with the bigger picture plan. And I can't tell you, I mean, how much, how many millions of dollars that like I have under management that are, it's unmanaged because maybe the client wants to keep managing two, three, 400,000, but they still move over a million and a half, 2 million for me for their core portfolio. And so, you know, that was some of the discussion that Scott and I were having around kind of framing this with this client. I'd say, if you could see value in the millions of dollars of lifetime taxes we're going to save you and your family by working with our firm for this holistic wealth management process, but the only thing is you still want to be able to manage a piece of your own portfolio, we'll just carve that out for you. And I throw a joke in there and I say, over time, what I see most of our clients do is once they gain trust and confidence and see that we actually deliver upon what we say we're going to do, they end up not wanting to do that anymore. They want to go enjoy more stuff with their time and their energy and their family and their kids. But that's totally fine. And so, you know, Scott, I think some of that is kind of what you were referring to is bringing it back to the value proposition altogether. And the last piece that I'll share in Scott's client's case is, you know, Scott, what was the the tax projection? Like if you look out like 10 years. 11 million, about age 90, they have longevity in the family. So we went, but yeah, in 10 years, it was four, 4 million. 4 million of tax. For estate tax. Yep. And how much was his assets under management that you would be advising on? Right about you, a million and a half. Million and a half. And let's say you charge a 1% management fee. That's 15 grand a year, right? Like, the yep. whole thing, and Jason did a podcast on this with a sales coach on the Rainmaker Multiplier. It was like two or three episodes ago. This guy said, you have to make your fee seem insignificant for people, right? Think about that. Would you be willing to pay 15 grand for us to help not only manage your assets and hopefully enhance your portfolio return, but potentially help you mitigate or eliminate three to $4 million of unnecessary taxes over your lifetime? Oh, and by the way, take care of all of this for you so that you can go enjoy more time with your kids and grandkids and travel and have fun for 15 grand out of a, what's the, the what's the estate value, Scott? Uh, yeah, at that point it was 19 million or 23 million. Like 15 grand out of a $19 million total estate. Like if they don't want to work with you, say goodbye to those people. They're cheapskates and they're going to be nothing but give you a hard time, Right. When I talk about my fees and my expenses, even if it's 20, 30, 40 grand a year I'm charging to a client, 
it's always in relation to not only their estate value today, but what the future of what we're going to grow it is going to be. And, you know, it starts to become a pretty insignificant number if they have the right mindset and you're, you know, showing them the pain of essentially doing nothing, continuing to do what they're doing today. So um, those were just kind of some of the things Scott and I were talking about that, you know, Scott thought, a bunch of other people at C2P can find value in. Scott, did I miss anything? Nope. So but the only thing I'd say is we showed the 1.8 million and what it would grow to by age 90 and said, if we just convert all this, we will never be able to take it out of your state or want to. Do we want to convert all this and potentially be creating a state tax pressure leading to the, the life insurance? Yeah. And sometimes it also goes to generation two. Julie Manning, I don't know if she's on the call here or not. Um, she she asked me to help her with a pretty large client, 15 million. They had a nine and a half million dollar 401k that she's actually just doing the paperwork because the client committed to rolling it over. But it wasn't really so much about him and his wife. They knew they had enough money for them. The nine million was going to create a tax time bomb, as we know. But it was more importantly, generation two, they had a child named Sam who, you know, in their words, they say he's kind of failed to launch. He's 21, 22, still lives at home. You know, he if they were to die today, Sam inherits a $10 million, almost 401k and another five or six million of assets, no trust, no distribution rules, no nothing figured out. Well, what we uncovered out of the nine and a half million in the 401k, over half of it was company stock. We were able to execute an NUA deal on the majority of that stock, only pay income tax on the basis, which was fairly low. We still paid three, four, five hundred thousand dollars in tax, or we will this year. But what that was able to do is it got almost five million, four million dollars out of the 401k and into a non-qualified account. Now, if they continue to hold that stock. For the next 10 or 15 years, they were in their early 70s or almost 70, and now they pass away. Not only can we effectively leave that to a trust for the benefit of Sam and control the distributions to Sam, but we also get a step up in cost basis and eliminate millions and millions of dollars in tax out of the picture. And so again, kind of bringing it back to that lifetime tax savings, not just your lifetime, but you know, your family and your loved one's lifetime. Again, when we can go and save millions of dollars of tax, I don't care what advisory fee you're charging. It's it's somewhat insignificant. So we'll go ahead. I mean, last few minutes here, any comments, any questions for Scott? Um, you know, we can get some of this material, but again, kind of showing where does it go, I think is just such a powerful piece to get their attention. Come on, we got to have one question, one comment. Just call on from one, Dave. Dave, I've got one. Sure. Uh, I've shared before, and actually one of the, uh, the most powerful um, closing questions I've ever asked and heard many, many years ago. Very stereotypically, and you've talked about it here, it's the husband who's managing the assets and the wife is doing other chores in the house. And so it's equal split of labor. We're seeing more women who do that now, but stereotypically, that's still what you see. So one of the things I do as we go through this, in addition to what you're talking about, I literally look at the wife and I tell the husband, you may not answer this question. And I ask the wife, so your husband obviously is managing all of these financial accounts, has done a wonderful job of accumulating assets. 
terrific planning, but he's telling us that you'll be able to step in his shoes and know where everything is, what to do, how to manage it, who to contact. And usually the wife's head is doing this as soon as I start saying that. No. So I just simply ask, is that the case? Are you going to be able to step in those shoes and do this? And I hear an emphatic no. And then I look at the wife and say, you may not answer this question. And I turn to the husband and say, so your wife is telling you that she's going to need help doing all of this. When would you like that in place before or after the event? Mm -hmm. And I stop right there at event. And thanks for grinning, Dave, because it's just it's one of those two by fours up the side of the head where it's so obvious that they need to do the planning, typically for the benefit of the spouse who has no clue how to do any of this and is going to need help. Yeah, and that was very much the situation with this client that Julie had. Um, husband had done it all. And, you know, number one, the, the wife wanted, I think she really loved having a female advisor local. Um, and that's what attracted them to Julie. And again, it was like, let's get this stuff in place now. Who's going to be the professional trustee? Because we wanted to appoint a professional trustee. I shared with them on all the benefits of a professional trustee and not appointing a family member to distribute this type of money to their one son, Sam, and other family members. We hired a local law firm. We vetted them out who had experience in this type of irrevocable trust administration and planning. You know, we were the planning team on their financial planning, taking care of their retirement income for as long as they're alive. And, and so again, like all of this was really the peace of mind, John, to your point for the, you know, the, the spouse essentially to know that all of this stuff is in order. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that. The last thing I'll share real quick, if anyone's around one o'clock today, I'm doing a brand new training, never done before, except for a small group at the tax management journey. So Scott Kalp saw it, uh, but winning business through tax management. I'm going through a whole kind of new presentation on understanding the investment management of after-tax money. I've had a lot of advisors that are like, hey, the majority of my book is pre-tax money. How do you think about managing it? I'm in a unique situation. 90, I'd say 80 to 90% of my business is post-tax money. And so I'm going to go through a lot of really cool stuff. If you're around at one o'clock today, I put a link in the chat box if you want to register. If you're not around, register anyway, because I believe it's going to be recorded and we'll make sure we get a link out to you. But I'm excited for it. I got great feedback when I kind of tested this, this, this new content at the tax management journey. And so check it out later today if you're around. All right. Well, we are at the, the halfway point through the hour here. So I appreciate everyone. Can't wait to see you all in Cleveland next week. And we'll have a great Mastermind Collegium. Thanks, everyone. Interested in learning more about the topics discussed today? We want to know more about your challenges and priorities and how we can help build your custom roadmap to success. That's right. A custom roadmap built just for you. Schedule a free 20-minute consultation with one of our business development partners. Visit c2pe.info forward slash podcast to schedule a time that's good for you. That's c2pe.info forward slash podcast.